program is about bringing up controversial subjects and a series of quests for strange horrors. It feels good. Guidance is internal. We live on a placid island of ignorance in the midst of black seas of infinity. Do not think there are things in this universe which you cannot understand and which are true. Happy New Year. We're back. I hope everyone has had a great holiday season. Tonight we're doing something a little bit different. Uh, Jax has been laid low once again by a debilitating disease, most likely a government engineer superbug, so he won't be able to join me on our regular audio sojourn. So I'll be uh, writing solo on this episode. Uh, it'll be a bit of a change from our regular format, but, you know, should seem mostly familiar. Uh, we'll see. With that, I'm your host, Fiasco Jones, and this is Far Off Topic. And a half... Let's start off with a new segment called The Nuts and Bolts. I think the development of full artificial intelligence. Super Alexamon activated. Could spell the end of the human race. Shall we play a game? The first story comes from us from The Daily Dot, uh, talking about how Linda Moulton Howe, who's a, if you don't know, uh, she's a very well-known uh, conspiracy theorist. She's uh, really landed on the scene uh, back in the 80s with her book, Strange Harvest, about the cattle mutilations and linking that with UFOs. Um, it was actually pretty remarkable, uh, uh, you know, bit of conspiracy theory craft, if you will, because... Um, if you know anything about this 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 world of of uh, the paranormal and conspiracy theories, you know that idea, that concept of of the catamulations being part of a UFO slash government uh, ops, you know, covert whatever. Uh, it, it's very familiar, and she's largely the one to credit for that idea. She came up in the news now because of a, a lecture she gave in August of 2017, where she basically says, here, I'll just let it play. I received a phone call from a whistleblower. He is an honorably discharged Marine, but he continues to work on contracts with the CIA, NSA, DIA agencies. He told me, quote, at a top robotics company in Japan this week, four robots being developed for military applications killed 29 humans in the lab. The scariest part is that lab workers deactivated two of the robots, took apart the third, but the fourth robot began restoring itself and somehow connected to an orbiting satellite to download information about how to rebuild itself even more strongly than before. And this, this next sentence, is a, this is a quote. I'm, I'm writing this down. I've been doing this for years. This is serious shit, Linda, but you're never going to hear about this in the news. The robotics company has too much to lose, and governments want IA robot soldiers. Close quote. So she gave that at the Conscious Life Expo in Los Angeles, I guess, uh, August last year, or 2017 now, I guess. Um, and... It's interesting because it's one of those ideas about like how the internet just kind of is a storage place for ideas. It it really is 
this kind of a void. And apparently someone on the old Twitterverse uh, went in and was probably searching under robot uh, uprisings and found this clip and just put it out there and said, hey, look at this. I found this. And that was enough to set off a, a flurry of tweets, which the original clip didn't even garner. You know, the, the original clip was just forgotten. It was just thrown out like just every other Instagram picture just put out there and disappears um, until someone, you know, essentially it was kind of like an, uh, you could consider him like a, an idea archivist uh, or uh, archaeologist of ideas went out there and just, you know, dusted off the sand and said, hey, I found something new, quote unquote, new. And that was actually enough because apparently uh, since that initial tweet, uh, it's racked up more than 110,000 retweets and 220,000 likes. And I, it's, that was actually, that's been a while ago. So who knows what it's at now? I just didn't have time to check. But uh, yeah. And in fact, if you even type in Google robot, uh, three of the first five autofill results relate to the speech. So <laughs> that's uh, it's very, very interesting. Um, and uh, it's, you know, I don't know, it puts a smile on my face. Of course, the story's most likely bullshit. Um, she credits this unnamed source, uh, Marine, who's just talking to her via text messages uh, in, in a different instance where she actually talks about the same uh, story because she's retread this story a couple times uh, she's actually she, she changed the narrative like like she only like read like sent her uh, paper messages so even her story's evolving as she as she kind of like retells it it's it's part and parcel of how linda just kind of tells her stories um uh, still great stuff the way it came back into the public consciousness does remind me of a story that if you followed uh, the odd normal podcast the, our first iteration of this podcast was called Abnormal, um, and I can't remember which episode it was, but we talked about Bill Gates and his dire warning that the the Earth is going to be hit by a massive plague, a flu-like pandemic, and it's going to wipe out 30 million people. That is coming back. Like I'm, I'm in, in my news feeds, I'm still I'm seeing that story coming out again uh, as it's new news. And who knows if he's actually you know, doing the lecture circuit, like a, a winter lecture circuit, and he's saying the same stuff, and it becomes new news. But it, it might most likely someone just went into their archives and said, hey, this is evergreen. Bill Gates warning of a plague. Let's just rerun it. it. I mean, it'll get clicks, right? And what doesn't sell more than, uh, you know, robot apocalypse uprisings and uh, plagues? So obviously these ideas are going to keep coming up over and over and over again. And um, I can't say I, I don't like it. Personally, I do like the idea that there is some secret lab, I'm sure, buried several layers under the ground uh, where they're conducting these uh, military AI experiments. Um, now, I'm just hoping that part two of this story, if you're going to do the sequel, is that after the 29 people were, were killed, they, they scrapped up all the, the robots, and now they're in some kind of, they're in an, an even deeper, more secret lab where some maniac general is going to try to repair them. Say, take all four of them and put them into a single one. Say, you know what? This could be our super weapon. We just need to just tweak it a little bit. And then, of course, we get the true robot uprising. Wait for it, wait for it. I, I think that's going to be a 2019 prediction, so there you go. And I suppose it's only polite to talk about flesh and blood monsters after doing a story about the robot apocalypse, so here's a, another new little segment called Things That Should Not Be. Things that should not be. 
The Lexington Herald Reader is reporting on the strange case of a tree beast crossing the road in Kentucky and scaring a woman and her husband half to death. According to a witness affidavit given to the, and I kid you not, Bigfoot Researchers Organization, the incident took place on October 18th at about 7.30 p.m. near Sandy Hook, Kentucky. The witness, who was sitting in the passenger seat of her husband's car, saw something uh, lurking alongside the road. She says, As we got into the curve about a quarter of a mile from my mom's house, I spotted something in the hollow ahead of us. It was almost out of range of the headlights, but by my calculations, it was about 75 to 100 feet away from us. So understandably, the witness confused the creature for a deer at first, but then, as I quote, the creature began to walk very quickly, and at that moment, I realized it had two legs, not four. Mm Mm-hmm. That's what I thought. The witness began screaming at her husband, eh, which is probably understandable, to, to click on the brights to get a better look. And though the moment happened very quickly, she was able to get a good look at the, the thing, the tree beast. She describes it as very big in stature, thick legs, thick abdomen, and at least seven feet tall. It was the color of a tree, specifically the trees in that area. So like a grayish brown, uh, very uh, earth tony, as she says. Um, she continued to say, The area where I assume a face would be was lighter in color, but I couldn't tell what color. I know this because it turned its head and looked straight at our car. Mm Mm-hmm. Angry tree beast. Uh, The creature then vanished once it reached the other side of the road. But uh, this could be problematic for the tree beast because, uh, as the witness said, in that particular area, where it was running toward was just a steep cliff. So... Eh, unless the tree man could climb like a mountain goat, he probably had an important date with gravity. Unless, of course, that's the nature of the tree beast. You know, we don't know anything about the tree beast. Maybe it, it just clings to walls. Uh, I'd like to think that it just kind of like spiders down, like one of those those sticky octopus things we had as kids in cereal boxes. And just kind of like, you know, flip-flopping down to the ground. As I've said before on the show... I'm not super keen on Bigfoot stories. Uh, I'm not saying that the witness is lying. I mean, she saw what she saw, right? Uh, I'm just saying uh, I wish the story was about a Sasquatch-themed serial killer or maybe even a skinwalker. Those those are my cups of tea. But who knows? Uh, I feel like uh, Bigfoot stories are are really blowing up for whatever reason these days. Uh, it, It is true. Like When you're in those settings, when you're in the middle of the night in forests, and all you can see is the beam of your headlights. It, it seems more believable. Anything's possible in those scenarios when it's just you, your car, headlights, and spooky-ass trees. Anything's possible. Now, there has been a follow-up investigation conducted by the BFRO by investigator Jack Smar. Sm- now, now his investigation, it's... It, it, I don't know. It's disappointing. Uh, It's all I can say. Uh, He basically just called up the witness and had her retell the story. Um, That's it. That's it. So um, if you actually go on the website, and I'll put it into the show notes, the link for uh, the actual BFRO investigation file, uh, you can basically see her long, like, initial, like, post where she put it into their BFRO investigation website and his subsequent investigation, which was, this, I called her up and she said this, and it's pretty much word for word uh, explanation or description of what she said in the post above. Not the greatest investigation, folks. Not the best investigating skills at all. That should really just give you a lot of hope. Any budding paranormal investigators out there, because it really shows you, at least in this case, that there's a, a lot of headroom 
for improvement in the study of these uh, bizarre phenomenon. So anyone that wants to really tackle these, uh, go at it. Or if you're the type of person like myself that just would be interested in doing it, uh, you know, in between before bed, uh, it's it also gives you a little bit of recreation. You know, maybe it's a it's a new hobby because <laughs> you really don't have to put any effort into it. Just just call up the witnesses and say, hey, I just read your thing. You want to talk about it? But you know who should be trying really really hard at everything they do? Hunters, especially hunters who are searching for Bigfoot in the real world with uh, with guns. This is from the Billings Gazette. I don't know why I said Billings so strangely. Billings. This is from the Billings Gazette. Uh, a Helena man was shot at multiple times by another person who mistook, who mistook him for a Bigfoot. Uh, the man was reportedly setting up targets on BLM land in the North Hills when he says a bullet hit about three feet to his left and then another bullet hit to his right before he finally decided to run for cover. And then he heard, of course, more shots. <laughs> uh, so after the shooting subsided, the man confronted the shooter, the man being shot at. He had the balls to, uh, you know, run up to this maniac who was shooting at him uh, and ask what the hell's going on. And the shooter basically said, well, yeah, you weren't wearing orange and I thought you were Bigfoot. Got to put it to Yosemite Sam. It's a pretty solid excuse, you know. Uh, if you're out in the wild and you see something you don't know, start shooting at it because it could always be Bigfoot. Interestingly, after that exchange, the two just parted ways amicably. Like, you know, F you for shooting at me. Well, I thought you were Bigfoot. Understandable. All right, man. See you later. I, I, I guess that's how that went. The, the interaction went down. Um, after that, he went to the police and reported the fact that he was shot at. Yet he didn't want to press charges. He only requested that if authorities did find the shooter, that they uh, merely instruct him on shooter safety. I, I mean, I'm just at a loss. Now, that's probably the most cowboy thing anyone's ever done. Uh, police say that despite a desire not to pursue charges, the allegations are serious and could warrant a charge of attempted negligent homicide. Yes, yes, they could. As of now, the errant Bigfoot hunter is still at large. So word to the wise, if you're in the forest, stay alive. Wear your orange, because apparently that's the only thing between you and a bullet from a Bigfoot hunter. They still, that's the one law of reason that they apply to their, their daily uh, routine, is that if you're wearing orange, they don't shoot at it, because apparently Bigfoot don't wear orange. But that's it. So, stay safe, folks. And now for a no segue story, because there's no segue for this story. <laughs> This place of torment! Turn over there! Have God warn them! <laughs> On December 14th, Vanity Fair's Nick Bilton was dishing about Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey's general lack of interest at running the social media powerhouse when he dropped a fun nugget about some of Dorsey's other strange behavior, particularly that Dorsey asked a rapper to make him a protective amulet. As Bilton originally put it in his post for Vanity Fair, and this is my, my Bilton voice, once... A source who worked with him told me Dorsey had sent a rapper his beard shavings to make him an amulet that would protect him from evildoers. Oddly, that news didn't get much attention from Bilton, but it was picked up by Spin Magazine's Tostin Burks, who followed up with this different voice. The rapper who allegedly received Dorsey's facial hair, I'm very excited to share, was Azalea Banks. She tweeted about this exchange in 2016, writing that Dorsey 
sent me his hair in an envelope because it was supposed to make him an amulet for protection. At the time, Banks said Dorsey promised to promote her mixtape Slazy in exchange for her promoting his cash transfer app Square and for her crafting him a magical object that might protect him from ISIS, which had threatened Dorsey in a video earlier that year. Now, this story makes me very happy, um, and, uh, and not not anything to do with the beard shavings, which, strangely enough, uh, I don't know why, maybe it's because my brain's all messed up, but originally, I'd read through this story several times, <laughs> and I could have swore it originally had said pubes, um, but no, no, nowhere does it, does it say pubes, I guess it, I just thought it said pubes. Granted, uh, I, th- I definitely think he's not above sending pubes, because he's a weirdo, right? This is kind of the eyed wise shut coven of billionaires nuthouse story I've been waiting to hear for ages. Uh, so thank you to Mr. Bilton and Burke for the fine reporting on what is probably just a scratch on the surface of lifestyles of the rich and wickedly nutty. Uh, uh, I can't think too long about these stories, though, because uh, it turns out my imagination is not very charitable when it comes to billionaires and uh, the things that they may do outside, out of sight. Uh, I'm sure they're people just like you and me, but they're people like you and me with billions of dollars to manipulate reality around them. As we've talked about in the previous podcast, laws don't work the same for them as they do for the average Joe. Sure, I'm sure they veg out in front of the TV like everyone else, catching up on Stranger Things or what have you, or Handmaid's Tale, or any of those fun shows that I can't think of right now. Travelers, I love Travelers. I'm sure they love someone, some billionaire loves Travelers uh, on Netflix. Uh, but Something in the back of my head has a feeling that every third Saturday, these guys get together with their elite hunting club buddies, and they stalk human prey to appease the horn god Cernos. I don't know. Just a feeling. Just a feeling. I feel like the trajectory of, of magical amulets gets you there, if you follow that, that logic. No? <laughs> okay. So, like I said, my imagination's kind of messed up. Uh, For what it's worth, Banks did send out a flurry of tweets about the incident when it did first blow up in April 2016. Uh, This all happened before her account was eventually suspended. Some of them read uh, Sans Voice. Jack Dorsey asked me to tweet about his cash app in exchange he was supposed to tweet about my mixtape. He never did. He also sent me his hair in an envelope because I was supposed to make him an amulet for protection. I'm about to hex this bleep. I have three strands of a billionaire's hair. I should steal his luck. I did not know that was a thing you could do. Apparently it is. Look how hard I worked to keep Dorsey safe. Lots of care and energy went into this. Many exclamation points. He did! No exclamation point, but all caps. I'm searching for the envelope. I'm a real witch with real clients. People pay me for my services. He owes! So, there you go. Eventually her uh, account would go on to be suspended. So, coincidence? No. No, it was something completely different still still freaky uh, freaky stuff that going on with the ceo set so let's get a little bit of a palate cleanser from that odd story and uh let's talk about the apocalypse and i looked as he opened the sixth seal and behold there was a great earthquake and the sun became as black as sackcloth judgment in a recent article for business insider jordan edwards reminds all of us just how vulnerable our internet security is and he's not talking about your home network rather think instead electrical grids water supplies and railway networks stuff like that as he says the west's weakness is in older electronics and sensors that control processes in infrastructure and industry 
Often, these electronics were installed decades ago. The security systems controlling them are ancient or non-existent. If a hacker can gain control of a temperature sensor in a factory, he can blow the place up or set it on fire. Aside from the damage, Edwards brings up a good point. How exactly do you respond to an attack like this? Presumably, uh, you know, it's an apocalyptic multi-factory attack or they're taking down the water systems, factories, and railway networks simultaneously rather than just a little one-off here, one-off there, to create, of course, maximum chaos. I mean, this is an apocalyptic scenario after all. Um, how, how do you respond to that? Because most likely, it's not going to be Russia that does this. It'll be some mercenary group that Russia hired. <laughs> you know, five guys in Belarus or Hungary who are in their basement somewhere destroying our, infra- our, our infrastructure. And in the immediate short term... You're not going to be able to. You're not going to know how to catch these guys because they're probably going to institute it and then walk away. And so there's no real cruise missile solution to this. Rather, it's a piecemeal. Let's hunt them down, investigate them after the fact, and most likely they've melted into the the general populace. So response kind of also, uh, I think, is built into the deterrence of these attacks you know if if, for instance if there was no recourse for stealing candy most people would just steal candy because it's easier than buying it uh and in this case i think what edwards is getting at is that we kind of we're very vulnerable and there is no measured response other than you know a month-long investigation and and detective work finding individuals and in some cases if they're sheltered by a major country like they let's look at the Khashoggi case uh where the assassins we could I'm sure the CIA may actually have their like their details and know exactly who they are but guess what Saudi Arabia isn't going to give them up so they're safe just like the, the people would be in the case of a Russia attack they would just be freelancers and then they would be protected who, who they would be freelancers who instigate the attack and then just disappear and would most likely be given new identification sheltered through like different parties i'm sure it happens all the time i mean the u.s has its own equation group that does our dirty work for us and no one's you know no one it gives you enough cover so that another state can't just like lob missiles at you and uh if you don't have that measured response if you don't have a, a any kind of response if you're essentially neutered then it really is an open sign to say, hey, try it. It's a it's an open hole. Go ahead. The only I think the only real deterrent it would be then for the US to just simply escalate with their own group. Go in and destroy the infrastructure of whoever you think is responsible. Is it Russia? Is it Iran? Is it China? Is it North Korea? Go in and just destroy their stuff and see how they respond. You know, it's it's it'll be a weird kind of cat and mouse tale. Um and if you're thinking this, if this is giving you kind of a vibe of the Y2K, uh, I don't think you're really far off because in, in a lot of ways, it's a human adversary rather than a glitch in the code, but it's, a still, it's the same kind of vulnerability. It's, the, uh, it's this embedded uh, vulnerability that we're just kind of ignoring. Like, ah. And infrastructure is kind of America's blind spot. We're, it's, it's one of those long-term fixes that we just don't really ever fund and if you come up came to us and said if you go to a congressman and say hey there's a there's isis in syria or there are computer chips that just i mean you know 
billions of dollars need to go into upgrading our our, our infrastructure on computers and the back end. Uh, which would you rather do? Well, ISIS has is a much more of a marquee name versus infrastructure, and it always will be. The biggest guy with the gun is always going to be the marquee name, and infrastructure is always going to be like, eh, we've got another 10 years. Forget about it. And the reason why it's, it's unlike Y2K, well, because Y2K won, as stories go, Y2K probably isn't the one to point at. Um, it's probably the one to ignore because y- Y2K, as everyone knows, never actually turned into anything. It became actually a cautionary tale about taking alarmist ideas seriously. If anything, Y2K is the boogeyman of preparedness. It is the 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 specter that never was. And I think it taught some lessons that... I mean, are important. Don't buy the bag of magic beans. That's a good good lesson. So it's a very good lesson. But also, the lesson that it also instilled was there is no danger. Just ignore some of these thing these things over here that are just maybe a little, little more complex. Ignore those. Stick with the guys with the guns. Just always stick with that. Stick with the immediate dangers, not the lurking dangers in the background. The problem with that is that uh, the things like this have actually happened. That we know that we're probably on borrowed time. For instance, in December 2017, three men were arrested and pled guilty to causing the largest internet outage in history. Now, it was used with a kind of, I guess, like a blunt force instrument called a denial of service attack that blacked out the web across most of the U.S. and large chunks of Northern Europe for about 12 hours. Uh, They disabled a company called Dyne, which is uh, in charge of providing uh, DNS or uh, domain name system services, uh, which is basically uh, all the addresses of the Internet uh, to make much of the Internet work. Well, apparently they created some software that they merely hoped would disable a competitor's company. Instead, it disabled the West. Um, So, that I mean, that's not necessarily... The it just kind of shows you how far things can go and how vulnerable you are. They weren't even trying to do it, and they knocked out half of the you know the globe. So good on them. No, right? Scary. It doesn't stop there. Also, in April 2018, the African country of Mauritania was taken offline for two days when someone, probably neighboring Sierra Leone, cut this single undersea cable that serves its internet. That Now, that was an intentional attack. Um, presumably, they were trying to manipulate the local elections by crippling the media. Also, on March 22nd of 2018, Atlanta's city government was crippled by a ransomware scheme. Again, it's not necessarily a state actor blowing up factories, but it still crippled the city. The attackers demanded 51000 worth of Bitcoin for release of encrypted city data. The city didn't pay. At least they say they didn't pay. As a result, more than a third of the 424 software programs used by the city were thrown offline or partially disabled. Nearly 30% of the affected applications were considered mission critical, affecting core city services, including police and courts, And speaking of the courts, the city's attorney's office reported that they've lost 71 of 77 computers as well as decades of legal documents. So, again, that wasn't necessarily – the ransomware guys, they know they're they're what they're doing. They're attacking you specifically to get your money. But in this case, you know, they're like, ah – delete it just shows you the vulnerabilities that that still exist and some of these still aren't the james bond villain world crushing uh internet 
destroyers that the articles really kind of are trying to make you think about. But, you know, what it's trying to do is saying, hey, guess what? These are kind of incremental steps toward a potentially really, really bad thing. Uh, and here's the thing. Here's the thing. Uh, because uh, I'm wired wrong in my brain, the inner space monkey in me sees the seeds of Project Mayhem in all of this chaos. That you know, the, 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 and if you don't never saw Fight Club, the uh, kind of half-baked idea by Tyler Durden's uh, Project Mayhem was that he was going to uh, destroy all the credit agencies and therefore reset credit to zero, which would destabilize Western civilization and reduce everyone to kind of a Mad Max utopia. Um, I, I, you know what? I mean, I, that's not a bad idea. You know, if, you had, if anyone's ever had debt in their life, uh, this idea resonates with them. Maybe we just, you know, zero it out. So let's say that's the silver lining to any kind of internet chaos, apocalyptic scenario, that uh, we do continue to ignore it, and uh, in the end we get this. In the world I see, you're stalking out through the damn canyon forest around the ruins of Rockefeller Center. You'll wear leather clothes that will last you the rest of your life. You'll climb the wrist that cuts of vines that wrap the Sears Tower. When you look down, you'll see tiny figures pounding corn, laying strips of venison in the empty carpool lane of some abandoned superhighway. I don't know. Uh, having leather clothes that lasts forever doesn't sound like a bad thing. I will say making that clothes sounds like a garbage idea. But, you know, there's goods and bads to everything. With that, it's time for a break. Coming up, we're talking about alien probes, the hidden agenda behind Trump's Space Force, and why Russia appears to be preparing for a Star War. What's it going to be like up there? 200 degrees in sunlight, minus 200 in the shade, canyons of razor-sharp rock, unpredictable gravitational conditions, Unexpected eruptions. What you think caused pain is only a shadow. Pain has a face. Allow me to show it to you. Things like that. Okay, so the scariest environment imaginable. Thanks. That's all you gotta say. Scariest environment imaginable. If you followed our previous incarnation of this podcast, Odd Normal, then you'll be very familiar with our interest in the strange interstellar object named Amuamua. For the uninitiated, here's the TLDR, as the kids say. Amuamua, the first interstellar object ever discovered in our solar system, was first spotted on the 19th of October 2017. Originally, it was assumed the object was merely a comet or an asteroid. Then... Astronomers began to realize that the object may not be either. Firstly, its shape. Rather than being roundish like a ball, as is uh, fairly common in uh, many space-based objects, uh, like planets, moons, many asteroids. Uh, instead, it was long and narrow like a cigar. Probably, of course, the biggest head-scratcher is Oumuamua's trajectory. It's deviating from its expected orbit if it was set on just being pulled by the sun's gravity. Uh, it should be going one way, instead it's going another way, which means that there's some extra force acting upon it. If it was a comet, the force would come from evaporating ice on the surface, something known as outgassing, and which 
gives comets their tails. Uh, well, Oumuamua doesn't have a cometary tail or any other telltale signifiers of being a comet. So that hypothesis kind of goes to the side. And that's pretty much the crux of it. Uh, what is propelling Oumuamua and why is it gaining speed? Luckily for us, a couple of Harvard astronomers have a much more plausible theory. Reporting in the Astrophysical Journal Letters, astronomers Shmuley Belial and Abraham Loeb, <laughs> I apologize for that for that butchery there, uh, they posit that Oumuamua may be some kind of defunct technological equipment, possibly on a reconnaissance mission, and that it's getting the extra nudge of propulsion from a solar sail. Boom, boom, there you have it. Science, people, solar sails. As Andrew Loeb puts it, just as a sailboat moves forward due to reflection of air from wind, so light exerts a force when it's reflected off a surface. So we're suggesting maybe it's a light sail, because I couldn't imagine making a thin structure just naturally in the interstellar medium uh, or a protoplanetary disk, which is the, the dusty goo that planets are made of, essentially. Uh, so if anyone else has a better explanation, then they should put it forward. And we do have an opinion on this matter. The far-off topic theory is that Oumuamua is a meandering space hulk full of slumbering space vampires a la 80s theatrical bomb Life Force. Understandably, that may be a minority opinion. Of course, we won't know for sure what that beautiful cigar is until we get better images or Michael Bay our way up there to look at it for ourselves. Loeb does believe that this discovery could spur a renewed interest in the search for extraterrestrial life, though. He says... I think it opens a new frontier for research. The traditional way we search for extraterrestrial intelligence is by looking for signals. This is just another way, looking for space debris, searching the sky for objects that may be artifacts of other civilizations. The mere discovery of this object is a surprise because you need 10 to the 15th power or a thousand trillion objects ejected by every star in the Milky Way galaxy in order for us to have seen one at random. So, just think on that, folks. Just think on that. Of course, if the possibility of a wayward alien probe makes you a little jittery, you're not alone. Quite a few people were triggered by ugliest unpainted member of the Insane Clown Posse and current president Donald Trump's launch of a space force. Many took the announcement, which took place on June 8th of 2018, as a de facto acknowledgement that there are aliens either here or on their way. I'm sure that a number of enthusiasts that have predictions on the line about a sweeping alien disclosure are probably more than excited to push this narrative. Full disclosure, uh, if you don't know, is a term or idea that eventually the government will bow to pressure and reveal the hidden truth about the reality of aliens and UFOs. That truth, of course, being that everything about UFOs is real. All of it. Mm, okay. Maybe not the stuff made up during the uh, contactee movement of the 50s. And guess we're kind of crazy. How many trips have you made to outer space? Well, I'd say 350 or a few more. When was the last one? Well, uh, first part of June. And who did you go with? Well, uh, people from uh, Jupiter. I have made telepathic contact for the past eight years with many space people from many areas of space, both inside and outside of the solar system. What I do love about this conspiracy is that it fits so nicely with the deep state concept. That's the idea that an unelected institutional government apparatus is trying to neuter Trump's bold presidency through subterfuge or outright rebellion. So this new uh, Space Force theory posits that Trump, the savvy piece of biological waste that he is, is attempting to circumvent the evil deep state drones by creating a branch of the military that is all his own. 
through his space force, the government will be strong-armed into revealing years of human-alien cooperation and technology exchange. According to an article on Exopolitics, which, if you didn't get it by the name, deals in politics not of this earth, the real purpose in Trump proposing a space force is that he wants to accelerate the disclosure process by which the technologies and know-how that are used in the Air Force's secret space program are taken away from multiple bureaucracies and corporations that secretly run it. The Military Industrial Complex, aka Deep State. The post ends with a mix of hope and foreboding. The last president to confront the military-industrial complex, aka Deep State, in such a brazen way over advanced aerospace technologies, i.e. UFOs, was John F. Kennedy, with his twin memoranda on November 12, 1963, initiating joint space and lunar operations with the Soviet Union. The tragic outcome for President Kennedy is well known. I predict Trump is likely to have more success with his Space Force initiative. So with that, I suppose uh, for our sake and our country's, we hope he is. And that he uh, only serves one term. You know, can I just, I'll just throw that out there. Yeah, little bling, bling, there you go. But let's keep it going with the foreboding for a second. Uh, let's talk about Russia and space weapons, or potential space weapons. So uh, on December 7th, a Russian rocket was sent into space, and on board were a number of satellites, as well as two additional unidentified objects. So of the two unidentified objects, we know that one is just the upper portion of the rocket. It's the other object that is less clear. According to Russian news agency TASS, the launch went smoothly, so we can assume that of these two pieces, one is probably a navigable satellite. This isn't the first time Russia has shot baffling objects into space. Just a few years ago, in 2014, the Russians launched an unidentified object into space, which worried a ton of people on the surface. That satellite, dubbed Object 2014-28E, in space speak, uh, was put up into orbit in May 2014 and originally classed as just debris, just junk. Of course, uh, this junk was observed making very precise maneuvers across the sky, such as gliding towards other space satellites. I say space satellites. I said there are other types of satellites. And rendezvousing with the remnants of that stage, the initial stage that had launched it, these complex movements prompted the U.S. to reclassify the object as a satellite. But no one knows uh, really what it's doing up there. On the innocent side, guesses are that the unidentified object is just cleaning up the skies, collecting space junk that it was accumulated for years and years, and we've all, all heard about the uh, tons of space junk up there uh, from destroyed satellites and whatnot. Uh, it could possibly even be uh, a repairing or refueling drone, something like that. Or it's a freaking weapon. And here's the thing. Russia has a history of making space weapons. During the Cold War, Russia initiated its Istretbitel Sputnikov, or Satellite Killer Project, which was specifically designed to bring down or fatally damage other satellites. Of course, Russia scrapped that project in the 1990s after the Soviet Union collapsed. Of course, the belief of many a stoic Defense Department beta human is that if relations between the U.S. and Russia were ever to devolve, the Russians just might feel impelled to reinstate the Satellite Killer Project once again. So let's look at the situation right now between the U.S. and Russia and the world in Russia. Um pretty icy. Uh, there exists a sanction regime against Russia for its part in the Ukraine crisis. Put all that together and the Russians could be feeling like it's threat level midnight and that a satellite killer program isn't a bad investment. Personally, we here at Far Off Topic think something else is up. If you're putting two and two together, this sounds like everyone is preparing for war in space or maybe a war against space. 
So you have a mysterious space object, i.e. deep space reconnaissance vessel Oumuamua, flying into public view the same year that a dumb-as-rocks president is in office to declare the launch of a, uh, some would say, unnecessary space force. Meanwhile, the Russians have been launching secret machines into orbit for several years, and they aren't saying shit about what they're doing up there. That, and let's look at the fact that the Chinese just landed a vehicle on the dark side of the moon, the side that looks into space. Everyone knows what's going on. So this is a, a world event. Everyone is, is, is acting in concert. They're arming space. They're looking into space. They know something's coming. Independence Day is just around the corner, metaphorically speaking, of course. And Independence Day scenario is underway. So I, I, I don't, I don't want to sound alarmist, but... Uh, it just might be past time to dig out the shelters and stock up on good water. And remember, you heard it here first. Got your back. After the break, Far Off Topic does some New Year's predictions. Because we need more of that. Troublesome times are ahead of us. From now to the year 2000. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. For all these things must come to pass. The unfulfilled prophecies of old are the significant mysteries of the future, but the end is not yet. Welcome back. With the new year in full swing, we're going to try to start a new little section here where we try to prognosticate on future events, uh, calling it Far Off Tomorrow. Hmm? catchy. Uh, Now and again, we'll revisit our predictions to see how our abilities to see into the future hold up with reality. To start things off, uh, we're going to make some predictions. Sword of Omens, give me sight beyond sight. Accurately predict events. Beware the eyes of God. And on into the future. Uh, I actually had Jax text me his predictions from the asylum he's been interred at until his disease ebbs. All right, let's see what he says. Uh, He says, in March, Donald Trump Jr. will be indicted. Hmm. Bold, bold prediction. Just around the corner. Uh, he says, uh, Donald Trump won't be impeached. Wah, wah, wah. Oh, well. Moving on. The last one. Uh, we are going to get a massive data dump of UFOs from the government by December. Hmm. I like that. That's a, it's a, that's a positive one. We can look forward to that. Hmm, not bad. Not bad. Those are pretty, pretty good predictions. Uh, let's move on to mine. I foresee that 2019 will be the year the economy implodes, fulfilling another Simpsons prophecy. Uh, I'm going to give that till June. Give it time to mature. Um, if you don't know what I'm talking about, uh, wah, 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 boom. As you know, we've inherited quite a budget crunch from President Trump. How bad is it, Secretary Van Houten? We're broke. The country is broke? How can that be? Well, remember when the last administration decided to invest in our nation's children? Big mistake. My next prediction is that uh, Trump will break the shutdown record of 21 days. Uh, Everyone loves a new record, you know? And I predict Trump will surpass the 25-day mark uh, before the Democrats finally cave and give him his, his billions of dollars for the wall money. So that's that's essentially two predictions in one. Moving on, I think that uh, 2019 will actually be a big year for uh, new fringe ideas. I think that uh, it's going to be the year of neo-catastrophism. Um, I predict that by March, people will have completely abandoned ancient aliens and flat Earth and all the other fringe ideas in favor of Emmanuel Velikovsky's uh, catastrophism idea that he outlined in his book, uh, Worlds in Collision. 
I think by September, there'll be an international conference for the new catastrophists, and then boom, it'll be settled. People will just, it'll just be the new thing, the new shiny object, as Claire McCaskill would say. Uh, yeah, that's what I, that's what I'm predicting. Yeah, there we go, there we go. And finally, finally, last prediction is uh, that Far Off Topic will finally get onto a regular schedule. That's going to be a hard one. That's going to be a real hard one. Now, of course, uh, I did make a prediction uh, in, the, I think, the first episode. So let's look at that. Uh, I, I basically said that uh, Trump would kill or nix the Mueller investigation. He has not. So that one bites the dust. We are officially 0-1 on predictions here on the Far Off Topic podcast. But I think that we actually have a solid foundation for the year ahead. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. And I think you should, too. So that's the end of the show. Uh, you can reach us on Twitter at Far Off Topic and Far Off Topic everywhere else. Uh, the show is now available on TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, and Spotify. Comment and rate if you feel compelled to. I do hear that five stars is pretty beneficial for most podcasts. Regardless, thank you for listening. And until you hear from us again, from Jax and I, so mote it be. And for her, crafting him a magical object that might protect him from ISIS, which then threatens Dorsey. What's that, Charlie Good Shoes? Can I come in your jelly Are you coming in where? Can I come in? Okay, this is Papa's studio. Can you say Papa's studio? Papa's studio? Yes. What are you doing, Charlie Good Shoes? Watching Toshi. Oh, really? What are you watching? Watching. Gus Robot. Gus Robot?